0: Good afternoon. Welcome to Tuesday's edition of Agitators Anonymous. Tuesday is um, the musical day, shall we call it like that? Or one where I just muse and waffle on about heavy metal, about rock, about whatever else. It's supposed to be a bit less of the social and cultural commentary. However, all that being said, we have a very, very serious, well greased, well oiled, literally bursting with machismo flavor episode for you today, and that is my um, YouTube video cast, which I made about video cast. Well, use my YouTube video about Manowar. Yes, indeed, Manowar—a name that strikes fear into the hearts of all. Well. Anyway, yeah, originally I made this as a sort of a part of this thing I was doing called Call from the Grave, which was just going over a band's, an old band's metal career, looking at their albums. And of course, one had to do Man War. So this is, um, you know, the audio of that. And for those of you who uh, listen to the podcast because of culture and politics and all the insightful, witty things that I say... um, Listen, Manowar is going to leave you on the heavy metal shore. However, for those of you who dismiss them out of hand without checking out the legend that is Manowar, oh, I say to you that you are missing out for the first couple of Manowar albums are without doubt one of the only bands out there that can challenge the Iron Maiden or Judas Priest argument for the greatest heavy metal band of all time. I kid ye not. So, without further procrastinating Um, this is Manowar and you can follow me before we start over on Nemtian underscore primordial patreon.com slash alan dot actually alan dot nothing alan Averill. Um, you can go over there and support the show all that kind of stuff so leave me a comment tell me who I should do next all that kind of thing born to live forevermore well or at least until they get too old to do it anymore here we go Well, call from the grave, episode. I'm not sure. I'm not sure you're ready for this one. Are you really? I'm not really sure. Well, now, Manowar, right? Just feast your eyes on that for a moment. Yes. Manowar, I have to make some confessions. Firstly, this is going to be a vinyl porn orgasm for anyone who is um, a really big Manowar fan or if you also hate them you're not going to be able to stop watching either. Uh, I have a ridiculous amount of old records to go through and some funny stories as to how I obtained them and also of course momentarily startled by this, I mean what's not to love with the catskin glove yes manowar i guess one of the most contentious bands of the last 30 40 years love them or hate them and i think one of the saddest things about the legacy of manowar really is that they've tarnished it so heavily in the last 10 or 20 years because those early first few records really are untouchable when it comes to epic metal in fact they almost kind of wrote the book on it. OK, there were elements of the immigrant songs, Zeppelin style. There was, of course, your Sabbaths and whatever. But this epic metal on a grand scale, as exemplified by Battle Hymns, it was almost unprecedented that at the time. And if you're going to talk about Bathory, um, you're going to talk about black metal, all the bands that came from that. Well, you don't really get Blood, for Death, without Manowar. You don't really probably get Hammer Heart. It's a distillation process. In fact, all false prophets and deceivers shall swing from the trees. Blood, fire, death is taken from Sign of the Hammer. The lyrics, enter the eternal fire, is no doubt Bridge of Death. Same lyrics, Army of Immortals is the last song on Under the Sign of the Black Mark I should have thought of the name of before I started talking about it. Anyway, you know what I mean. Um... Man War. Yeah, I mean, look, I'm going to make it no secret of the fact that I was a huge, huge Man War fan. Uh, Absolutely massive. Um, And I suppose maybe we'll just start at the bit where I started with. um, Some t-shirt porn first. Uh, An original Fighting the World shirt, which you will see has Dublin and Belfast on the back. Now, I can't profess to have been at this show. I was too young. Um, Maybe... 12 or 13 or something like that at the time I knew of the show but I mean you know thankfully I th- my parents saw uh, a little bit more common sense than to let me head off into Dublin City in 1987 at 12 years old but I have this shirt and it started oddly enough with with this 1987 blow your speakers I made my poor grandfather start in li- stand in line in the Virgin store and then steal two pounds from him um, I'll Don't worry, I'll go back to the start, but let's just start where I started first. Um, I mean, look, Blow Your Speakers is the greatest Kiss song that Kiss never wrote. 1987, fifth album. Um, even the Ken Kelly Kiss Destroyer faked art, you know, kind of like artwork is off the charts as a homage to Kiss. I've started in the wrong place, haven't I? All right, let's start in the right place. Battle Hymns. Now you will notice with your keen heavy metal eagle eyes, this is signed. In fact, you'll notice that the record I just held up to you was also signed. And in a strange sort of light, it looks like it was signed to me. But it's not. It was signed to a very gloomy man called Stan. I suppose I should tell that story first. Uh, Maybe 20 odd years ago, In Holland, me and Kieran from Primordial were, um, I'm not sure what we were doing there. I think we might have been signing to Hamart Records for burning season. And um, we're in a record store. And I met a rather gloomy man in his 50s who said, oh, I have all these, well, in German. Um, And my German wasn't great. And he said, I have all these old signed manual records and I'm going to sell them to you. We have to meet at a... Petrol station in um, Aachen or something like this, and just opposite the Dutch border. Bring X and X and X amount of money. Now, of course, I misheard an awful lot of the story and all of the things he wanted. Um, and I think I had about the equivalent of 100 euro, maybe even less, maybe even 50. I'm not sure it was guilders back then, but it was not much. And myself and Kieran from Primordial went and met. Um, sad stan sorry stan for um if you i hope you're cheery now um we met stan and um in a in my you know pigeon german and his bad english i sort of said well this is all the money i have and he looked at me with some big sad eyes and he said oh just take them i'm finished i'm done and as i'll go through all the vinyl here he gave me I don't know, a dozen signed manual records from 81 to 84. Um, And just said here, taken and walked out. And I was just left with this big bag of records. I mean, this is Hammersmith Odeon, 1985, signed to Stan, Ross the Boss, Scott Columbus, Eric Adams, Joey DeMaio. I'll just take them along as they come. Um, So Stan, I still have all your records. The day is past when um, I think you possibly could have made a small fortune by selling them at one of those magic circle festivals or that kind of things. Um, But every time, every now and again, when I show uh, these two, some mano mano warrior, um, they have a mini heart attack. Battle hymns, this is where it starts. A very muscular eagle, by the way. And it really all begins on side two. Battle him. it's one of the greatest side too if we take out William's Tale, um, which is again a kind of superfluous bass solo, but Dark Avenger and Battle Hymn set the tone. These are huge epic songs. In fact, Battle Hymn arguably is one of the greatest, if not the greatest heavy metal song of all time. If someone came down from, um, Aliens came down, well like they've been doing for the last while apparently, and they said, is heavy metal, and you played Battle Hymn, don't think you'd be going too far wrong. Um it's a you know, Ross the Boss came from the dictators and all that kind of stuff. He brought some I mean, his playing on all those first few records is um off the charts. It's aggressive yet tasteful, dynamic. You've got this hard bass tone and like the incredible vocals of Eric Adams. Put your um prejudices aside if you have some. I mean look, come on, it's the these are this is forty years old. And forget the kind of nonsense that we'll get into of the last forty years. Um and speaking off the cuffs, I don't have any notes here beside me. So I'm probably gonna get the two thousand stuff a little bit all over the place. But look, look, what are you gonna do? It's not your job to be in here. Side one, Death Tone, Metal Days, Fast Taker, shell shock. I'm in all mid-paced, hard metal anthems. I love the tone, I love the sound. It's very raw, very rough. But it's really on side two when um, Man O' War kick into, as I said, Dark Avenger, battle hymns. that it just lifts off i never forget a guy used to drink in the pub we used to uh, go to back in the day. Oh, I hate Man of War and all their pro-Protestant lyrics. I said, what are you talking about pro-Protestant? He goes, we raise our hands for Protestants, blah, blah, blah. And I said, no, it's partisans. Oh, right. How long have you hated Man O' War because you thought it was Protestants? Oh, I don't know, 10, 20 years. <laughs> partisans, not Protestants. Um, listen, it's one of the greatest heavy metal records of all time. Sets the tone, the death tone. Um, this is signed to Stan. Signed by all four members of Man of War. Scott Columbus, rest him. Um, a great record. Uh, side two, absolutely off the charts. Um, absolutely off the charts. Where are we? I should have probably sorted these out a bit better, shouldn't I? So you'll want to see signed copy of *Into Glory Ride won't you um the quite frankly outrageous cover aside this is arguably the greatest epic metal album of all time um I would always when I was a kid skip over Warlord I always thought it was a bit daft though she's only 16 stuff kind of doesn't do the rest of the album justice because Secrets of Steel Gloves of Metal Gates of Valhalla what a massive song this is and Eric Adams is on some other place here, this is the difference. I mean, this—he's arguably the greatest heavy metal singer of all time, arguably top three, top five, without a doubt. The range, the dynamics, the aggression, and the songwriting is there. March Revenge, Revelation—these are huge songs. Um, Death to False Metal, Into Glory Ride. I mean, like I said, putting Manowar in the context of modern times—it's easy to, you know, it's like shooting a big fish in a little barrel, but you've got to put yourself in 1983 and all of the music that was coming out at the time. And this was, you know, look, I mean, Armoured Saint were wearing, you know, kind of muscled tops and everything was, everything was like this. So judging it from modern standards is a kind of fool's errand. Um, but this is the epic gold metal standard. This is the huge record. And I love the tone. I love the, the drum sound, massive, huge... Tone the bass is just hard and attacking. Not a very much, not much of a low end to it. But um, in the year 1982, the gods sought to test our steel. I mean, look, the whole thing is just Conan esque. But here was a band with that was about to take on the world, and yeah, it's huge stuff. And what's interesting about it is that it's so kind of slow. It's got a sort of proto doom kind of feel to it. It's not, it's not double pedal. It's not even new. Every British heavy metal. It's not got that Priest stand back for exciter thing to it. It's much more slow unfolding kind of music. And that's um, really quite interesting and odd for the times, you know. Um, it's got to be for me in the top 10 records, metal records, maybe of all time, possibly of all time. So the rumor goes, if I'm going to try and tell this correctly, um, Man of War... Signed to Music for Nations in the UK, went over to the UK um, and lived there for a while. But before that, and okay, I'm getting mixed up. Went over there and lived there for a while, and toured the UK first. And that was why we have the P to England, the hail to England. Um, you know, wasn't going to give them get them too many fans in Ireland, but I'm sure they lived with that. But on the back of the money that they got, they recorded two albums apparently back to back. Hail to England is done in like three, four, five days. And then they just took their gear, drove to Canada, and recorded Sign of the Hammer, which I will get to. Um, and this is again, it's rough and ready. This is a band you can hear, I've just recorded this literally over a weekend kind of thing, and just headed off. They just have the songs. Again, vocals out, off the charts. Kill with Power, Army of the Mortals. Um, Bridge of Death, Black Arrows, another you know kind of superfluous bass solo, but look, that's what you're going to get with Manowar, right? Um, and it's just a huge, huge record. Blood of My Enemies, every single tune a banger, and this is back when metal sounded so vital, so alive, so energetic. Play this record, and you can just hear the vibrancy of these fucking young bucks ready to take on the world, and it is undeniable. Uh, I mean, you know, whatever your prejudices are connected to the band or you find them daft or ridiculous stick on blood of my enemies and turn it up and you'll just be like fuck listen to these guys fucking right on the edge right on the limit it's um it's a staggering record and it just sounds like it was just bashed out in a few days which it was and as you can see again um signed poor old stan but signed nonetheless and the band hadn't really played in europe in the mainland yet And that's the thing people forget. They kind of played in the UK a bit. Um, This is, I think, the first European show of Man of War to stand the man you can see at the top Kill with Power, Joey, Scott, etc. This is Enschede Holland 1984. So this would have been. Man of War, Blood of Mine and music. all men play on ten. So this is after Sign of the Hammer. So I didn't really get to Europe until after the fourth record, which is um, as I, sorry, Stan, I've lost your signed man the uh, record here. No, I haven't. Sign of the Hammer is a record I have so many times it just gets kind of ridiculous. There's another cassette copy. There's a CD copy. There's another record of it. Um. This is the album that apparently they went with their gear, just drove to Canada and just recorded it straight after Hail to England. Didn't tell the record label for whatever reason and just had this album in their pocket um, and then just sat on it. I don't really understand um, the record label. I never heard of it ever again. I never heard anything about them. Um, And they just it's like they just licensed this one record. Um, Again, signed, as you can see, Ross the Boss, etc., etc., um, this is a record I like a little bit less than it is Glory and Hail to England, um, but I still love it. All Man Play on Ten and Animals, you can hear the kiss coming through in that. You can hear the kind of attempt at you a know, bigger sort of pop metal chorus. Well, sorry for using the word pop. I mean, they're still cool songs, don't get me wrong. Um, what else have we got here? We have the All Man Play on Ten 12 inch. Which opens out into a big speaker which is pretty sort of cool um bought that in london somewhere in the end of the the end of the night no 80s maybe well, i'm not sure why am i doing that stupid voice sorry stan if that's a uh, take off of your voice i'm not sure sign of the hammer yeah i mean look you've got thor the powerhead mountains massive songs Guyana. the production is in is strange there's it sounds like it was mixed by a bass player, which I presume it was, but the guitar is very small. Turn it up loud, it sounds fucking great, but on a low level, um, the bass is dominating the guitar. Um, You know, it's still rough, it's still rough. I mean, you know, Scott Columbus wasn't the greatest drummer in the world. It's got this super rough charm to it, you know? But again, an absolutely classic record. Um, I should have prepared these in order a little bit better. But then you get a little bit of a gap. But I'm going to look at a few other interesting um, records I have. Um, Defender, which is an interesting because it's the 12 inch version of the song. Um, there's a strange 7 inch of it with the drum machine. Um, and this is something that was, is quite interesting with Man of War in that their demos after Sign of the Hammer seem to be done with the drum machine. Um, take two. So it's obvious I disappeared there to get something else and that is exactly this Defender picture disc. Um, it's really interesting because it shows a version of the band that they were, I think, pre-Into Glory Ride working on. And it sounds, sure, it sounds like a drum machine but there's, um, you can hear this sort of epic open chord sensibility. This is like I said, some sort of bootleg, seven inch of the same thing, um, which is again, here's the uh, original 12 inch. This one has gloves of metal on the B side. The other one has hatred. Narration by Orson Welles. You read an Orson Welles autobiography and it says this is his low point, doing a narration for uh, silly heavy metal bands, but Manowar made a very big deal out of it. And for some reason, Orson Welles narrates, um, you know, start of Dark Avenger, and when you were old enough, etc. Um, a really interesting snapshot, and some really interesting things to find are actually, if you can find, there's a bunch of Manowar demos after Sign of the Hammer, which are pre-fighting the world, and they're songs from Louder Than Hell. Brothers of Metal, for example, um, I think number one or The King. Um, and they're kind of like played in a sort of open chord style of battle hymns, but not the do doo 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 do of Brothers of Metal on the Louder Than Hell. But because they're with the drum machine, um, it kind of shows a strange moment, I think, where Manowar are about to go. Um, blow your speakers. Band in America, free poster I never got. Joe, you owe me a free band poster. Don't know what's going on with that. That's a sort of white twelve-inch of that. But Manowar then took a couple of years off, and 1987 we get Fight in the World. Now this is where I started with Manowar, so of course I have a super soft spot for it. Um, but the fact is that side one is probably on, on, you know, on in retrospect one of the weakest sides of Manowar. Fight in the World is cool. The song Violence and Bloodshed is kind of cool, but Carry On and Blow Your Speakers are sort of um, homage to KISS kind of stuff, you know. It's also very clear it's a drum machine. Listen to the hi-hat and blow your speakers. Whatever's going on there, digital drums, it says, I think, on the inside of it, um, they just decided to not let Scott Columbus play on this record. I don't think. I think it's a drum machine. It sounds like it. I mean, um, but side two... Again, Defender, Holy War, great song. Black Wind, Fire and Steel is one of the greatest fucking heavy metal vocal parts in the middle. And yeah, you know, when I was a kid, he refuses to take part in modern mediocrity, will forever stand alone, etc., etc. He is an outcast. I used to learn that. I had that learnt off by heart um, when I was 12 years old. Um, yeah, it's an audience splitter, it's a room splitter. You could see Man o War trying to change. From where they were previous to that to try and get tighter, more taut sounding, bigger choruses, less low fi They certainly weren't weren't trying to emulate the kind of interglory ride epic metal stuff. But yet still, of course, side two is a huge epic side. So I'm kind of split about it. Um I love it, but I understand for older Man of War fans it was a bit like, what the fuck is going on? But then you get kings of metal actually this is not kings of metal this is some bootleg called defender of steel for some reason i can't find my copy of kings of metal um, if you've been here and stolen a very battered old copy of kings of metal please return it um, i don't really know what to say about kings of metal it is an absolutely fucking tour de force it's absolutely amazing i mean okay we don't need this thing in the bumblebee etc but hail and kill blood of the kings um, these are huge, like possibly some of the greatest heavy metal songs, if not the greatest heavy metal songs ever written. These are songs that rival Iron Maiden at their best, perhaps even Top It, perhaps even Top's Priest. I'm not saying Man of War is better than Judas Priest or Iron Maiden, but I'm saying when they hit that height, I think there's very few bands that can, can really touch Man of War when it comes to just heavy metal. Um, so I'll have to work off the CD of this because I can't find the fucking record. Um, but Wheels of Fire with its strange brup, 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 beat. Hmm, sounds like a drum machine, doesn't it? Kings of Metal. Dugga, 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 dugga. Again, classic. Great stuff. Brilliant vocals. Ross the Boss's playing is off the fucking charts with this. If you watch the DVD of one of those Man of War things and you watch Ross the Boss playing compared to the other guitar players who all try and shred each other off the table, his playing is so tasteful. It's so uh, dynamic, he doesn't overplay anything. I mean, his playing is, you know, it's gonzoid in its own way, but it's absolutely fucking spot on. Spot on with Hail and Kill. Uh, Blood of the Kings is just, Eric Adams taking it to some other place. This is singing that I think very, very, very few, um, you know, people could touch. It's it's in the Glenn Hughes, Ian Gillen, 74 um, kind of mold. And, um, Yeah, amazing. Pleasure Slave is a song that's been sort of deleted from history, strangely enough. (laughs) Um, But back on the CD, uh, even we as kids were like gasped at the, (laughs) you know, uh, woman be my slave sort of tone of the lyrics. Um, The Warrior's Prayer, I have to admit, even when I was 13, made me feel a bit mawkish. I think I was, uh, uh, you know, a serious kid. Born old, I was a bit like, oh, that's a bit ridiculous. But... Yeah, I mean, what can you say? Kings of Metal, one of the most vital um, heavy metal records of all time. An absolute fucking stormer. Then Man of War, of course, disappears. It's 88. They're, 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 you know... I don't think they're getting the commercial ses- success that they hope for, even though it's probably still a million sales for Kings of Metal. Um, I think they were hoping to step up into that other realm. Um, I'm not sure they ever got there really well even though they were playing to bigger crowds ever in the end of the 90s, 2000s. Um, but in the 80s, they certainly didn't. So we get then a strange three, four-year break that I don't really... It's like they should have followed on with something else after that. But I guess Ross the Boss leaves, um, whatever. And it takes them four years to make Triumph of Steel. Um, and by now, the winds have changed for heavy metal are very different. Um, it's, it ain't the 80s anymore. It ain't Kansas anymore, Toto. Um grunge is just around the corner Uh MTV is just about to drop Headbangers Ball uh, the, the, the half a million three quarters of a million selling records in the USA and wherever are about to just bottom out they didn't quite bottom out in Germany and wherever else but for me it's strange this record always sits along with uh Merciful Fate in the Shadows and Painkiller they all came out around the same 12 month period and they're like the last stand of great classic heavy metal um, and this is an absolutely brilliant record, it's um, Rhino on the drums and Dave um, Dave Shankle on guitar, sorry Dave um, and it's super tight it's super taut It's um, there's isn't an inch of the kind of looseness that defined old man war it's razor sharp um, Achilles' Agony and Eight Parts 20 fucking odd minutes totally over the top, takes up the first two vinyls um, but songs The Power of Thy Sword is one of the greatest Man of War songs ever Metal Warriors great, Spirit Horse of Cherokee just great Ride the Dragon I mean yeah it's it's a brilliant record and arguably the last great 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 Man of War record in my opinion um, I like things of course after that but as you probably noticed by much of the Call From The Grave things begin to taper off as bands get older um, but yeah it's an absolutely great record if you can um, I think some people underrated don't really um, investigate it too much I don't know maybe they're too again same thing I said in the Merciful Fate one sometimes people are just too invested in the 80s stuff and overlook some of this other stuff at their peril this is a fucking great record Um, it really is then another huge big gap which is you know filled by two live records yeah I know I have them on CD this one, Hell on Wheels, which is a fucking mess. Um, it's great, but it's a fucking mess. Um, it doesn't sound like it was mixed at all. It's just... Like, listen to Return of the Warlord from this, and it sounds like an articulated truck coming down a fucking hill. It's um, it's messy. It's all over the place. The, 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 the sound varies very much from uh, show to show, but it has a really cool kind of feel to it. This is the first time I saw Man of War. 96, I think maybe, Gods of Metal, Milan, and um, with Moonspell, Anger, a bunch of other bands. I went from Dublin to see that. Um, I was supposed to go and see them in 92, I think, with Skyclad, and I think I had an exam or something that day and couldn't go because we used to go do this thing from Dublin. We used to get the ferry from uh, Dunleary, a port in just outside, just on the edge of Dublin, across to Holyhead in Wales, the night for ferry, and then get the train in the morning to London, sit around all day, and then go and see you know, I don't know, Dissection, Death, Cradle of Filth, all these kind of bands, 93, 94, because they weren't coming to Ireland. Um, and Man o War, yeah, I wanted to go and see the Man O' War Skyclad show, but um, didn't happen. So this is a cool record. Uh, again, some strange label I never heard of, um, released it. Um, and then the signing to Nuclear Blast, and we get this, which is a much more polished, taut affair. And at the time, Man War were touring playing only huge epic songs. I saw them another two times. Um, I saw The Dynamo Show in 98, that was a bit of a mess, just speeches and bikes and whatever else, and you wanted to love it, but it wasn't great. I then saw another show about six months later that was brilliant, had no talking, no bikes, just do, 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 and they played all these old, huge epic songs. And this one captures that era really, really well. I mean, this has March for Revenge, Dark Avenger, Gates of Valhalla, Hatred Bridge of Death. even at the end of side one. This is a great live record. And it leads us to, um, well, Louder Than Hell, which um, I should have on vinyl somewhere, but also, hmm, who knows where it is. Or have I got that? No, I've got that wrong. Louder Than Hell comes out before those live albums. No, it doesn't. What the fuck am I talking about? Ah, whatever. Um, this is such a weird fucking record, right? So your are mid-90s. Heavy metal has kind of collapsed. There's not really any radio play. There's nothing on the TV. Um, and here comes Man of War with this barroom brawl of an sort of ACDC hard rock record. It's Look, I played this to death in 1996. Um, Brothers of Metal, Gods Made Heavy Metal. And the power is great at the end, but it's just really like, it's just really kind of barroom brawling rock and roll and the video for Return of the Warlord is just amazing to uh, <laughs> to put in the context of 96 and where Heavy Metal was I mean you know like I said I saw Iron Maiden I think around about then and they couldn't even fill a 1200 venue Um, Heavy Metal was on its knees A Man of War brings out louder than hell it doesn't it's so incongruous to the time it doesn't fit in at all I love it I get, it why, I get why lots of old fans don't really like it, but I think it has much of the same character and personality as maybe side one of Battle Hymns. This is sort of driving straight, mid-paced kind of rock stuff, you know. It's a strange production. The vocals sound a bit too compressed to me. They don't sound like they have enough air or enough space. Um, but, you know, definitely worth checking out. And here is where it gets a bit weird, you get all the um the nuclear blast signing, and it looks like Manowar War are a bit kinda of done. Um to to, to, to an eighties fan it looked like they were kinda of done, but they pull what turns out to be their biggest song ever out of the bag. Um, Warriors of the World. It's an, it's a kind of inexplicable, really. You get they released two albums in the nineties. And you kind of think the band is done. And, you know, I remember talking to Guts from Rock Art at the time. And we're like, man, or making a new album. Holy fuck, what's it sound like? And he goes, it's fucking good. When we were all like, no, really? And he said, yeah, it's mixed by some dude who made Ramstein, but it's fucking good record. And, okay, so it sounds, again, like, listen to um, House of Death and Tell Me That's Not a Drum Machine. It's, you know, nobody plays the drums with the... And goes... However, you know, even even the the weird whole side one of the fight for freedom of Ness and Dorma, uh, Valhalla and swords in the wind, kind of worked. We sat around the kitchen table in the house share that I was in at the time, and and we wouldn't skip over side one. It was kind of a, you know, but then again, we were daft, daft kids. Um, and Call to Arms, and what can we say? The song "Warriors of the World" is what just basically reignited Manowar's career, like lit the torch paper or touch paper in a massive way. This was a huge song. It was everywhere you went in Germany at the time, you know, the Central Europe. It was just, as soon as the started, the just, the the nightclub filled up, the dance floor filled up. It was outrageous. And Manowar were playing three, four, five, six thousand arenas in Germany at the time. And it just seemed... Insane, because like priests were nowhere near this quite yet. Um, a lot of the old heavy metal bands looked down and out, but Manowar were enjoying this sort of third wind that very few bands had. And um, this is where I stopped buying Manowar. I had a bunch of CDs, singles, and a few other things, but I gave them away. Truth be told, um, and I I do like this record. Um, I'm not gonna you know shit on it just because it's not that old. Well, actually, it's fucking nearly 20 years old, isn't it? <laughs> but, yeah, look, it's a cool record. Um, but this is kind of where things end. They, they, there was an endless slew of DVDs, an endless slew of live this, live that, and, you know, the shows. I, like I said, at the time, I saw some amazing shows and some awful shows. I saw some shows that were just total powerhouses. I saw them kick Slayer's ass at Gods of Metal in Italy one time. Slayer seemed lacklustre, Man of War kicked their ass. Sounds difficult to believe, but they did. And then the next show I saw it was speeches and solos and tits and bikes. And I was like, oh, get the fuck on with this. And they seemed like men out of time as things moved on and people just didn't quite want all that kind of stuff. Not at a big festival, maybe at their own shows. And this just went on and on and on. And then we have uh, the record afterwards that I'm going to have to put up a thing on the screen. Um would like, die for metal and all that kind of stuff. Um, and off the top of my head, I probably should have thought about that before I started talking to this. I can't even remember what that's called. I just remember every single second song um, just being uh, like, you know, intro, blah, 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 intro song, intro song. And um, it just did nothing for me. And it was clear it was sort of made with a drum machine. Um, All right. All right. Look, I should have looked that up, shouldn't I? It's called Gods of War. Yeah, this is kind of where Man of War just becomes too much for me. Um, the, the record sounds anodyne and plastic sort of drum machine kind of sound, small bass tone, and every other song is like some sort of piano thing. And intro. I get they were trying to do some sort of odd concept record. But um, yeah, it just doesn't work for me at all. And I get that this is the period following on from Wars of the World where lots of younger fans got into the band. But, um, yeah, it just doesn't really work for me. According to Wikipedia, Manor have sold 20 million records. So, there you go. But, the last 20 years, it's pretty clear it's been sort of treading water, moving along that Warriors of the World, just sort of treading that lane there is a record from 2012 called The Lord of Steel um, which is a sort of sad end to the band and the final battle there is a cool EP called The Dawn of Battle um, which I have somewhere but I can't find it which is one really really absolutely great song and I think that's maybe the last great song that Manowar made but this Lord of Steel and the final battle came out in 2019. And this is a really, really aw- kind of awful record. It sounds like it was made. Um, it sounds like I made it on my Mac here in the room. It just, It's just like this tiny drum sound. Donny Hamzik, the original drummer, came back for a while. Carl Logan, well, I mean, you just have to Google him and find out the trouble he got into. Um, I'm not going to go into that. But needless to say, it didn't seem to kind of harm... band too much they're kind of on the last pages of the the story anyway and they got some kid in to replace him but there's a there's a ton of other singles there's a ton of this that and the other um i don't have all of those things um like i said the vinyl porn is mainly all the 80s stuff once we go past Is the world it all gets a bit too a bit too silly for me silly is that the right word no it's not really the right word um, it just becomes a bit too pastiche, a bit too parody, all that kind of. So now many people would say that they developed, they had settled into that in the nineties anyway. But maybe I just got too old and too cynical. Um, what else do we have? Is there any other things? There's a Herschel Style German version of Kings of Metal, or German version of um, Heart of Steel, exclusive for the Deutschen fans. There you go. So that's my sort of off the cuff. Potted look at Manowar. Um, there's an interesting, divisive room splitter of a heavy metal band. I think the people who hate them probably haven't really taken the time out to, um, really, really look at some of those early records without prejudice. I mean, who cares anymore? But it used to be a, a, a bone of huge kitchen table drinking, um, you know, nerd metal arguments where people fucking, you know, I fucking, hate. you know, there was a lot of um. They were a band who really got the backs up of some people. And then, like, of course, Manowar fans like were like, I suppose, not as bad as Tool fans, but they were, you know, they could be cut from a cut from a rather, um, you know, um, close minded loincloth, shall we say, and they went into bat for their band every time. And I would have counted myself among that in the early nineties. but. And that, but that was because mainly you felt that here was a band who had made, released all this amazing music and that was being criminally shortchanged by the heavy metal um, you know, uh, talk shop, so to speak. And those first four records are kind of untouchable. They're full of the vibrant energy and life and crackling, bristling, dynamic tone of youthful heavy metal. They're um, electric records. And then you've got the second um, chapter, which is, you know, Fighting the World, Kings of Metal on... And then a sort of other chapter of standalone record of Triumph of Steel, again, a great record. Um, And you, you know, Kings of Metal won't, you know, this is one of the greatest heavy metal records of all time. Louder Than Hell, again, sort of stands alone. I'm not really sure where that record stands maybe. Triumph of Steel and It are sort of weird bookends of the 90s and then Man of War takes off into their third wave, whatever you want to call it, with all of the Warriors of the World stuff. And then, like I said, after that is a slippery side down where I don't really, engage with the band much. Look, I had my time. We paid the, you know, did the crime, paid the time, whatever you want to call it, with Man O' War. And when they were great, they were arguably one of the greatest um, heavy metal bands of all time who wrote songs that I would say you've got to stick in the pantheon of greatest songs of all time. Battle Hymns, the song, could be, somebody said to me, um, you know, over a few whiskeys at the, uh, you know, at a bar and said, that's the greatest heavy metal song of all time. I'd hear that argument for sure. So, hail and kill, my friends, call from the grave, blah, 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 whatever it is. I'm Alan Averill. And that was a rambling all over the place look at Man of War. You want to see that loincloth picture one more time, right? Yeah, you do. I can tell you do. And I probably should have. Uh There we go, my friends. Feast your eyes on that. Over and out. Hold up.